Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Another Friday, another podcast, and although you may be watching on my Instagram that I've been all over the East Coast posting stickers to where you can take a picture of yourself with these stickers, DM me on my Instagram and post them on your Instagram, and don't forget to tag me, and I will send you a free t-shirt. I'm all over the East Coast with my son's class, and we're touring the locations of the founding fathers where this country was founded. It's a great tour. I get to do it when my kids are in the eighth grade, so this is my last kid going through school, so that's what I'm doing this week, but fear not. You've got a podcast coming this week, but before we get that started, don't forget to support our sponsors, VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people. After a long hiatus, VW Trends Magazine is back on the scene. So go subscribe today at vwtrendsmagazine.com. Also, get your shift together. That's right. Go to rosswolf.com and pick up some of their billet aluminum shift rod bushing. They're made out of T6061 billet aluminum anodized in multiple colors for your choice for that solid shift so you don't have any excuses not to have your shift together. Go check them out at rosswolf.com. That's rosswolf.com. Also want to give a couple shout outs this week. Gregory Mendez out of Somerset, Texas for supporting the podcast. I appreciate you. Also podcast alumni, Lee Bashaw leaves a review, says awesome podcast and super rad interview with John Lazenby episode 218. Love the deep dive on learning the Calic history. Where's my time machine? Always look forward to hearing your podcast every time I go back and really send some favorite episodes of mine. I learn something now every time. I'm glad my boy George McCallick introduced me to this podcast. Great job, Bill. P.S. You need to get more of the Bergs on here. And how about Roger Crawford? Well, I'm working on some of those guys, getting them on the podcast. And uh, appreciate you, Lee, for uh, leaving a review. Next, I want to give a shout-out to Chad's Got a 67. Left a five-star review on our Apple podcast. It says, dang, sweet show. If you're a VW folk with a brother or sister, you're sure to enjoy the extra layer of sibling banter and competition. Thanks for sharing in this additional manner. So that's my guy, Chad, and so appreciate you giving us a five-star review. If you, if you want to get a shout-out and Let's Talk Dubs, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or pick up some merch, and you'll get a shout-out on the podcast. Now's about time that we get into our podcast, so go get your old Volksworld magazines. Go on the Internet and Google search FUBAR Linden Creamer and check out this car. You want to talk about a car that's built over the top, detailed to the max, top level build and this guy does it out of his garage he doesn't have a professional shop he does something completely different for work but he's got the patience of job and the attention to detail second to none so make sure you guys check it out look at the pictures i have on the facebook page of this car that's detailed beyond belief so without any further ado guys let's get into it this week with Lyndon creamer builder of foobar on let's talk dubs probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, so everybody on today's podcast, I'm I'm able to circle back to one of my another one of my UK invasion podcasts that I was supposed to do, but unfortunately, I just didn't get a chance to connect with our guest today. Our guest today, you may be familiar with, he's had uh, a '64 Beetle that was built way beyond belief. Uh, matter of fact, it was so far 
beyond any level of explanation. The name of the card was Food Bar. So on today's podcast, I've got Lyndon Creamer out of North Wales, UK coming on the show. And I'd like to go ahead and welcome him to the podcast today. Lyndon, welcome to the show. Hello. You okay? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're golden, <laughs> baby. Do. Good to meet. Good to get to nice chat show. with you. Let's see. It is spelled finally, yeah. Yeah, we, so I know we tried to connect during, uh, during Volksworld. You weren't able to make it to the show. And, you know, this no. year, this year, obviously, Volksworld seemed to be a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller of a, of a show than what it normally was. Um, and I think it may have been, you know, Mother's Day and several other factors like that. So it made it kind of tough for people to travel. But I wanted to get you on the podcast. We've been mm-hmm. talking for a while. Um, with the way we always start the podcast, I mean, obviously people know you from from the car bar that was built that was just way out of control. But the way we always start the okay. podcast is, what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, going really far back, I was actually talking to my mother today and um, I told her that I'd be going on this podcast thing and she obviously, she's in the late 70s, and she said, well, what's that about? And I said, well, I'm going to be talking about my Volkswagen history and all the rest of it. So she comes out straight away and goes, well, it goes as far back as you, when you were about two or three years old. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, every Volkswagen that you saw that went past, you used to call them uh, nibble cars. And don't ask me why, <laughs> but it was obviously something about the shape. There's something about the car that made me kind of pick them out from all the rest. And that's kind of stuck with me over the years. And it's a, it's this weird kind of fascination with the shape of them. Um, so obviously, as I got older, the more I saw of them, the more I liked. And, you know, as you do with parents getting you like a book for Christmas and things like that. And the kind of mid-80s or so, my parents bought me this book. And it was written by a couple of, I think it was German authors, and it was like an illustrated history. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember constantly looking at the pictures through this book, and I was just glued to it. And it, and it had, obviously, scenes from around the world. And, it, you know, it showed the California scene and it showing, you know, cars from Germany and all the rest of it and what they were doing there. And there was all sorts of stuff. And it just it gave a good, you know, insight to the actual history of them and stuff. I just kind of got captivated by them, and it was just the more I kind of looked into them, the more I liked them, and um, it carried carried on from there. And then I started getting into um, RC cars, and obviously there was uh, one of them called the Tamiya Sandscorcher, uh, which was a Badger Bug or a Baja Bug, and uh, that thing was just like oh, it was the best ever. I used to think it was just absolutely fantastic, but I. I could never afford to buy a brand new one. Right. And uh, I remember a, fr- a friend of mine had one in school and uh, I eventually bought it off him. And that is actually my first restoration project because uh, I bought it off him and I restored it back then and uh, loved this thing. And it just carried on from there, really. And obviously, when I got up to like driving age of 17, I had my old man, fair play to him. Uh, I remember him asking, you know, I'm going to buy you your first car. And it was like, oh, right, it's got to be a Beetle. Um, and at the time, my, my old mum or my dad was was um, having a new business premises built. And the guy who was doing the building work 
was doing a little bit of, you know, wheeler dealing kind of thing on the side. Right. And he had a 1303 Super Beetle, which he was selling. So we went up to see that in his place. Um, I, at the time, I remember thinking, oh, it's a, it's a Super Beetle. It's, it's not quite a Volkswagen that I wanted. Right. <laughs> I wanted, a, I wanted a, a flat stream one, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it was still, you know, it was still a Beetle. And I thought, you know what, this is kind of cool anyway. So we ended up actually, actually bought the car for me and it was 1,200 quid. But back then, we're talking, it was, was it 1992? Yeah. 91, 92? <laughs> so it wasn't particularly, it was a 1975 bug, so it wasn't particularly old, you know. It was only, what, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. When you think about it, it wasn't, it wasn't really an old car. Um, so he, he bought the car, and I passed my test, and I thought this thing was great, and it was just, I was driving about in this thing, and I, I really kind of looked after it. And it actually looked quite nice, and it had only done 70,000 miles from new, and it was in good nick and all the rest of it, so I thought at the time, and driving about in it. And I remember reading Volksworld and looking through, and at the time then, people weren't really modifying 1303s and stuff, and it was a bit, I don't know, it was still looked down upon a little bit, Right. I thought. So I thought, what can I do to this car, you know, at the time? I bought some lowered springs and I had a set of GT steels on it anyway, which were kind of painted. The centers were black and it had um, silver rims on it. So it kind of, it kind of looked kind of cool. Ross styles kind of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of drove about in that and it was cool. And I went to some shows in it and all the rest of it. And then I had to actually start driving it through winter. Uh, <laughs> that's when the problem started to kind of rear their head because it started leaking. You know, I drive to a girlfriend's house and in the rain and I get back in the car after, after it had been parked and the carpets were all soggy and all the rest of it. And I was like, oh God, what's going on here? So the more I delved into it, I realised that this thing was a bit rotten. But by that time, I kind of, you know, I fell in love with this car and it was great, you know, and it never let me down or anything like that. And I thought, well, I can't sell it. I'm going to have to do this thing up. So then I thought, right, well, I didn't really have the space. I didn't have a garage. Um, it was like I had to ask a friend of mine if I could borrow his single car garage. Um, and he said, yeah, no problem at all. And I, and I just thought this thing was going to be off the road for a couple of weeks or whatever you know doing a bit of patching underneath it and all the rest of it so i reversed the car in and started taking it apart and the more i kind of took it apart the more i realized that this thing was completely rotten you know uh cross members were gone bottoms of the heated channels were gone uh strut tops were gone uh it was just you know it was the usual kind of bottom six inches of of a of hell to be honest so and that's a car with it didn't kind of that's a car with seventy thousand original miles seventy thousand miles original yeah wow. yeah uh, the original it was numbers matching numbers matching had the original engine in it and all the rest of it and uh yeah it was a case of right i've either got to you know take this thing completely apart and rebuild it now because i was starting to get into it too deep you know yeah because I, I wouldn't have been able i wouldn't have been able to get my money back if i had just kind of put it back together and sold it as it was because it was just, it was really bad. 
So um, I started taking it apart, and then the re- I realised that I had to take the body off the chassis to be able to get to everything. And do work properly. I was just learning as I was going along. Um, so <laughs> I split the car in half. Then I realised that I had nowhere to put the chassis. So I had to uh, ask another friend to be able to put the chassis in another garage. So I had the chassis in one garage and then the body was in the other. And then I started to rebuild the body. And cut a long story short, that thing, it took me about four years uh, of work. And it, uh, it kind of escalated quite quickly. And it was one of them... I, after the, I think it was about four years it took me to rebuild that car completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, back then it was it was kind of kind of good. Uh, it spares availability for those were really good to be honest um, because I worked right across the road to a, a Volkswagen dealership um, and they could still get all the genuine old parts. And I remember I used to just go across the road with a little list of what I wanted and just order the parts and they'd come up with the old microfishes up and they'd find all the part numbers and everything you know crazy you know, like bolts seals gaskets all the little bits that you need in the restoration just getting across the counter it was fantastic and it was expensive back then but it was still I, I thought well there's no point buying aftermarket when I can get genuine right uh, so I kind of stuck to that and it was it was nice putting the car back together with all genuine parts and stuff, you know, body panels and stuff, they're all genuine, you know, wings, uh, hood, or bonnet, as it should be called, uh, doors, uh, things like that were all just, uh, you know, over-the-counter stuff, and it was it was fantastic. So um, the car turned out really nice, and I was really proud of what I'd done, to be honest, because, like I said, it was, it was my first resto, and I built this thing, and it was it was all painted, and it was all really nice underneath, and it was you know it was it was a nice car. Now, uh, but I never showed, I never took it to a show. I never I never shown it once. And on this car, did you do you did the paint and body work on your first car too? I did um, all the welding, all the body work, and I got it to a stage where um, it just needed it needed priming and it needed top coat. But I'd done. Um, any kind of gap, you know, gap alignments and stuff like that. And it was, you know, I just basically dropped it off at the body shop and they did the best and it came back in colour. But it was an ordeal because the, the guy painting it kind of stopped halfway through and all this sort of stuff. So that, that kind of set me back for a, for a while um, on that build. Um, but it, it turned out really nice in the end, like I said. And um, for some reason I, at the time... I was never kind of confident enough to be able to take it to a show or anything like that. It was weird. Um, I don't know why I didn't do it. Uh, it was because at the time, when looking back at it now, if I would have took it back to like one of the Volkswagen shows back in, say, 1999 or something, I'm sure I would have come away with an award. I'm sure I would have done. I'm not blowing smoke up my ass, but it was it was, it was was a nice standard, you know? It was okay. Sure. Um, so um, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a long time ago. And people back then were like wondering why I'd spent so much time and money on a 1303. Um, so, uh, and, and what and ends up, uh, one of, what, what ends up happening with this car? Well, 
Uh, I finished it. Um, I didn't. I drove it for about I don't know five or six miles. Not 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 far at all. And I parked it in this garage. And by then, though, I'd bought Fubar. Um, by then, I, you know, I'd got another car on the road, which was the '64, uh, just to get me around and about because that car had come up locally for sale for I think it was six hundred quid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd bought that and. The 1303, I'd finished it. Um, I'd actually got it featured in, a, in a, another magazine called Total VW uh, back then. Um, and it was just packed up. And what it was, I'd been driving the 64 around by then for about two years. And uh, that thing needed work. So I sold the 1303 to fund the rebuild of the 64. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of went down the same road with the 64, but I don't know, by then I'd started to get into the Calux scene. Right. So um, by then, again, I'd been to a, quite a few shows and stuff, and I remember one of the biggest uh, kind of highlights of the show scene for me back then was um, Beetle Bash 96, and it was when... Uh, the likes of Bill Schwimmer, and Dave Rhodes, and uh, I think it was the old Tiga brothers brought their cars over from the States. And it was a big show, and it was just one of their weekends, which I'll kind of never forget. And it was down at Avon Park Raceway. So I took my 64 back then, just to, obviously as transport, and camped in the field there and had that weekend. And I remember getting back from that weekend and thinking, God, hey, I, I want to build a, a cow looker because I just thought they were the dogs, dogs nuts. To be honest, it was just you know I had to do it. Yeah. Um, and that you know it, it was one of that. I just had to do it. So. And what was the, the sixty-four? Sti- I thought the style of your of your super beetle was kind of more like a just typical traditional like a a ninety style beetle. Uh, it was it was lowered all round. Um. It had a set of four lug sprint stars on it, um, and it was stock body. It looked completely stock, so it had all the quarter windows, had all the chrome in it, uh, and had bumpers on it, um, and it had stock motor which I'd had rebuilt by John Marr. Um, so it was it was just a nice stock kind of looking car, but lowered. Um, you know, in no way I wouldn't say it was cow look in any kind of way, but I suppose you could say it was a resto cow. I don't know, it was a it was a kind of, I don't know what style I was going for back then, but it was just, it just kind of looked clean and simple, you know? Yeah. Nothing nothing crazy, just a, a nice interior. Bernard Newbury uh, stitched up the seats for me, uh, and he was the go-to man uh, back then. So I had a, new, a, a, a pair of, had a Newbury's interior in it, which he was the guy. Yeah, it, 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 just the seats, not not the door. The door panels were just the original kind of that PVC, you know, Super Beetle kind of. So I, I didn't go anything crazy like that. Just a new set of carpets. Just, but the seats, um, I went for like, um, they were like a really small black and white checker. Right. In the centers. But, they, but the, the seats, I had adapted a pair of um, Scirocco seats to go in it because yeah. they had three point runners and they were very similar runners on them, which didn't need much modifying for the seats. So, um, yeah. And I kept the headdress on, which, yeah, 
<laughs> just weird, weird kind of style, but it, right. it, it kind of, I kind of liked it, you know. You were you were doing um, your own thing. I mean, and and over there in Wales, uh, in North Wales, like is is the is the scene pretty strong, or is the VW scene no, pretty thin? No, there's no there's no there's no car scene whatsoever in North Wales. Really? So, it, it, even even now, there's there's nothing going on. To be honest, I mean, don't get me wrong. That, that it, there are a few classic car shows and meets and stuff like that, but there's no kind of. There's no Volkswagen scene up here. No way. Um, I have to travel, you know, distances to get to decent shows and stuff like that. Um, and the biggest show it's just for one of them. It's just the biggest show for you out there is 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 Volksworld show or what's the biggest show over there in the UK? Uh, the biggest show. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's the most anticipated show. That's where everyone goes and debuts their cars and stuff like that. And if, if you win. I think if you win best at show at Volksworld, you you know you've done good. Um, so to me, anyway, that's that's like the highlight of the show season is Volksworld. Uh, it used to be, I think, it used to be a, a show called Bug Jam. Uh, it, but I don't know that that I used to go to that every year, and it, it got a bit samey for me after a while, after so many years of going. Um, and it got that to me the amount of. You know, Beatles and air cool stuff kind of started thinning out. It was more kind of water cooled and stuff like that, which, which I'm not into. Um, but there you go, it was one of them. And I, I got bored of the scene after a while, to be honest. Um, going back to the '64, after seeing all the cow lookers and all the rest of it. And um, so you see the cow look cars when you meet all these guys at that show and you just get fired up to like, I'm going to do a cow look car. Oh yeah. 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 It was, it was seeing, it was seeing like Bill Schwimmer's car and Dave Rhodes's green car uh, for me was like, wow, you know, look at these, these, these were amazing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was it all for me. Oh, that picture there is when I actually just drive, you just drive about in it. So That's probably you, when I had most fun in it when it was like that. <laughs> so when you when you bought the '64, you finally achieved like I've yeah. got my classic Volkswagen now. No more, no yeah. more dirty look, super beetle, lowbrow attention <laughs> yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from the people when I come in. Yeah. You know, you put all your time. Yeah. It's funny. I t- you know I, I, I talked to Gavin from um, from uh, Trailer Queen Restoration. Trailer Queens and, and yeah. his first car, super beetle. You know what I mean? Super beetle convertible. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, there was there was more of there was more of them about, you know. There, there definitely was more of them about. I mean, you never see them now, to be honest. I mean, in the nineties when I was driving about, like in the like ninety two, ninety three, you can go for a spin in my car, and even on the holiday season on day, because it's very touristy, you'd see Volkswagens, you know, all the time, and you'd be waving at them and all the rest of it, and it was great. But now you never see them on the roads; they've all gone, you know. They really have, uh, and it's. Uh, it's sad, really, to be honest. But there we go. So, so you buy you buy the '64, and at first you're driving this dude around. You're you're, you're just kind of cruising it as a driver, like just getting your yeah, getting your yeah. Fill I went everywhere it. in that car. I went everywhere in it. I went on holiday on my own in it. I, I've slept in it in the back of it in the middle of nowhere. You know, it was a car. It was it was like my companion, to be honest. It was fantastic. Uh, it was just a daily car. That I used to go everywhere in it, and I wasn't afraid to go everywhere in it either. It never let me down. Um, I put, I changed the motor in it um, a few times just because I wanted more power. Because I remember when it was like that, when I first had it, it had the little weedy twelve hundred in it. 
Right. And I remember, um, I remember going for a drive in it, and uh, there's this like this bypass section of road, and it's dual lane, and it goes up this hill, and I remember I was behind this uh, a Fiat Uno. And I thought to myself, right, I'm going to show him what my Volkswagen's made of here. I'm going to overtake him and see what I can show him what it can do. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, I pulled out and started to overtake, and I pulled up alongside him, and I had no more power, and I, and I couldn't get past him. And I had that kind of real shameful look, and I looked over, and he was looking at me, and I, I had to roll back behind him because <laughs> we were, we were going nowhere. <laughs> And I know after then I thought, right, I'm going to have to do something about this. You know, it was just the complete embarrassment of uh, not being able to overtake. So after then I vowed that I was going to put a bigger motor in it. So after the 1200, I, I built a, a 1641. Um, and uh, that was actually quite good. It, 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 with, on the original 1200 box, it was really low geared, but it used to get up there quite quick, you know, it was all right. Right. Um, so uh, I carried on using it like that, and like I said, after a few years, it was uh, I knew it needed work. I knew because it had previously been restored a few times. It was a typical UK car, to be honest. It had just bodged together and all the rest of it. it you know, door gaps were terrible, and it had, uh, it had a set of pattern wings on it which were thin like paper, and it had a few holes in it and stuff like that. So it was just getting to the point where this thing needs work again. You know, it was. Uh, but there was no way that I was going to get rid of it or sell it or anything like that. It was just all parted out. It was a case of, right, I'm going to do something with this. And that's why I sold 1303 uh, to fund the rebuild at the start. Um, so I got, I think, five and a half grand for the 1303, which back in... Great money. I think it... Yeah, it was good money, but I remember at the time I'd lost out on it because I think I'd sunk about fourteen grand into that thing, <laughs> which was which was a lot of money, you know. But there was no way I was going to get that back for it, so it was one of them. Is uh, yeah, and I sold it to a guy, the thirteen oh three, to a guy who who totally rebuilt it into a German looker with a big Dicklandy supercharger sticking out the back of it. Ouch. Yeah, but that's. A, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It eventually went up in. It actually went. It went up in flames in the end uh, in his garage, which was uh, sad to say, to be honest. That, yeah, that is that um, is a but, sad story. So then you decide. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So, so I decided to rebuild this twelve uh, sixty four. Uh-huh. Um, that that picture there is the second time I owned it. Uh, that was actually when I started rebuilding it into what it looks like now. So you decided uh, your um, first stage of building it was what? Your your plan was like, I'm going to build a proper cow looker. Is that what that was your idea? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, build, a, I'm going to build a cow looker. So uh, I delved into it. And even back, I started it in 19, uh, I think it was 99, I started rebuilding that. And back then, I had no, there was no, I had no access to any internet, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, parts availability was kind of non-existent really it was, it was difficult getting spares for them and all the rest of it um, panels were terrible they were like you know the veng panels and stuff like, oh bloody awful uh, the channels that you could get were didn't really fit and oh, just I remember then it was just pulling my hair out trying to get things to fit and to line up uh, the only saving grace at the time were, were people like Carmen Connection where they did 
kind of deal with you know um, old um, second-hand panels and stuff, you know, body cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I would, uh, what I could afford, I would just try and buy the best I could, you know, things like doors and stuff like that. Um, but even then, I, I had to, I had to cut corners and stuff like that with some of the panels and door pillar bottoms and stuff like that, which never really fitted properly. So. But I did as best as I could. Um, so the '64 was it, somewhat was the, first, the the '64 was somewhat rotten. I mean, it was a typical English car, like it'd been. Yeah, through. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, God yeah. It, it was it was worse than the '303. To be honest, it, it was terrible. Um, it needed new floor pans, but like I said, all I could get back then was thin, rubbish ones that didn't really fit very well. Um, so I. You know, I put new pans in it. I put new channels in it. I put uh, complete uh, large three-quarter, rear three-quarter panels into it, which I managed to get genuine, actually. I cut down. I bought two, you know, big pro, uh, whole three-quarter, rear three-quarter panels, and I cut those up. And actually, they're still on the car now because, <laughs> as it happens, um, and I fitted those, and those actually fitted perfect, as, as you'd expect, you know, being genuine panels. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what else did I do to it? Yeah, complete running gear, you know, rebuild, you know, the, the beam, um, I cut and put adjusters in it. But the fortunate thing was at the time I had access to drip blasting equipment in work because the business is a uh, family business running a tool line shop. So back then, uh, because this is my second restoration and I kind of got into it and, uh, I knew what to kind of expect a little bit more. Um, and what were so, you, what did you have? You, you had a you had a set you had purchased tools that you had previously, or or is this part of your business that you're in on a daily basis? Um, it was all tools that um, I had used previously with the 1303. And it, do you know what? There's, I use the same tools then as I use now. Yeah. Which I haven't got much. It's just hand tools. It's just you know a five inch grinder, uh, a one inch belt sander. I got a, a small random orbital sander, which I don't use very often anymore, to be honest. And I've kind of increased more with hand tools and stuff, you know, body hammers and stuff like that. Um, but my actual, you know, tool inventory is not that much more than I had back then, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of good like that, really. It, yeah, obviously, you know, being access to a tool hire shop is does have its perks right. big time, um, and it had. It, when I rebuilt it into FUBA, yeah, I couldn't have done it without um, having the access to the, and the actual space because I rebuilt the car in work the last time around. Um, the first time around with FUBA, I built it in the same garage um, than I built my 1303 in. So, um, and yeah, what, what was the plan? First... What was the overall plan for your first cow looker? You had what, what wheels? The first, well, the first built motor, um, trans, interior. How was the whole yeah, setup going to be? Motor. I always always wanted an IDA motor, um, but I remember leading up to that, it was a case of right. Well, the first choice. Well, it wasn't a first choice, but it was all I could afford was a seventeen seventy six. And I went through various quotes and stuff like that. And I was just about to say yes to an engine builder to build me a 1776 uh, with, I think, twin 40s on it. Uh, when I saw an advert in Volkswagen, I think it was, for a, um, 
a 2110 IDA motor. Um, and it, it was Teddy's Beetle Services. Luke was selling this engine, and it was um, it previously been another cow looker. Um, and I don't know what the full story is, but this, this engine became available anyway. And at the time, it was four and a half grand, which was a lot of money. And I was like, well, but I had to have it. Yeah. You know, when you get it into your head, and it was just one of them, I thought the, the lure of kind of IDAs was like too much. And I thought, right, I've got to have this. So I remember, didn't have the money. I went to my local bank and it was like, right, I took out a loan. <laughs> and I had four, four and a half grand. It was like, right. So I got on the phone to Luke, did the deal, and a friend of mine, we went down to London from North Wales, which is a fair old trek, in his Passat estate. And we went down, picked this He actually had it on a, an engine stand, and he fired this thing up for me outside, and I was just oh, totally gone, you know? Right. I was, in, I was in love with this thing, you know? Uh, so we did the deal, put the engine in the back of his Passat, and back up to North Wales again, and it was tatty-looking, you know, it was it wasn't uh, pretty to look at or anything. It needed a lot of sprucing up, but uh, back then it was like right. Um, I wanted it to be right, so I sent the engine up to uh, John Marr in Manchester, who is the engine builder, and uh, just to check over and to put it on the dyno. Um, but it was at the time that I think John was. Very short. You had the thing for about a year. Yeah, you, you can hear me. Yeah. So you so you said you had to take it me? to John Marr. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for him just to dyno test it and to check it out, basically. Um, he had it for a year, <laughs> a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. Right. Um, and it checked out okay and blah blah blah. So when I got the engine back, I, I spruced it up and blasted all the tinware and painted it up and stuff like that and made it look pretty, put a new exhaust on it. And uh, that car, eventually, I ended up painting myself. Um, so I painted it in my dad's garage. Uh, <laughs> I remember asking him, because he just had a nice two-car garage built. And uh, I looked at this garage and I thought, right, this would make a perfect spray booth, this. You know, I'm going to give it a go, even though I'd never done it before. I thought, ah, how hard can it be? <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> so I asked my dad, I said, you know, any chance I can uh, you know, paint my car in the garage? And he was like, oh, really? And I was like, well, I've got my, car, my car's in the garage. I said, look, I'll find someone else to put your car. Just let me borrow the garage. I'll only have it for a couple of weeks. You'll be all right. All right, then. So, anyway, he agreed. And so I decked the garage out with plastic. Uh, borrowed an air compressor and a gun and got the body shell into his garage and uh, off I went. And at the time, I did horror stories about trying to paint with two-pack and it was really dangerous to use and all the rest of it. So I, I went with the older route of using cellulose. Mm -hmm. So uh, I bought a load of cellulose or what I thought a load of cellulose. Anyway, it, it turned out it wasn't enough. So I started to uh, paint this thing and there was no filtration system or anything like that. I just opened the door, let the fumes out. <laughs> <laughs> While I was in there with it, just a, a really simple dust mask and uh, painting away. And uh, 
After, you know, I got the main shell done, and with cellulose, you have to let it go off for ages before you can touch it. You know, it's that kind of paint where you have to leave it for at least a month, I think it was. So I put, a, you know, what I thought was enough on, <clears throat> let it sit, let it harden up, and uh, start cutting and polishing it and all the rest of it. So I started cutting and polishing it, and it was like, what the hell's going on here? Now, I don't know if there's funny patterns in the paint. And I'm like, what the hell? And I realised what I'd done. And I was using, um, I bought batches of paint, but I kept it in individual tins. So I put one, t- you know, I'd obviously used one tin, painted it, gone, uh, kind of left it go off for a month, flattened it down a bit, and then used another tin, put another couple of coats in it to get it right. And then, and like I said, when it came to flat and polishing, I was getting these funny patterns, and I realised in the end what it was. He provided me with different colour blue, sea blue. Oh, no. So it was a different shade, different shades that I was going through. It lovely patterns on the roof and stuff. It was horrendous. So anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> cut another long story short, that one took me a year to paint. Um, but it actually turned out, it, it was all right. It, you know, I was quite happy with it, to be honest, uh, in the end. Um, and the car, uh, like I said, it had this IDA motor, it had a built gearbox, um, it had, I put a set of Urcos on it, uh, which I had anodized gold in the end, because I'd seen Bernard Newbury, had his, his car, had, um, his black race car, had gold Urcos on it, and I thought that would look good on mine. So I did that, and yeah, it, it, you know, it was kind of cool. And I, I got it into uh, the Volkswagen show uh, a few times, actually. It went for about three years in the row to the Volkswagen show. Uh, some really good times with it, but I never, I drove it a little bit. It went down Santa Pod. Down, yeah, I took it down Santa Pod uh, a few times. It won Best of Show at, at Bug Jam one year. I think it was 2003, it won Best of Show there, which uh, I was kind of blown away by because, like I said, it was never intentionally meant to be a, a show car, you know? Uh, so it was kind of cool that I won that award and I, and I actually won an award every show that I took it to I came away with a trophy of some sort which was kind of really cool uh, by that time though I was starting to get a bit not bored of the scene but I was kind of get a bit you know, burnt out with it it was one of them I, I, I couldn't I couldn't see myself carrying on the way I was going with it if you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I'd bought towards when I'd finished the actual 64 I'd bought my 56 my oval as kind of like another kind of little, not a project, but something to drive about in. Because I'd made the, the 64 kind of not undrivable, but you couldn't use it as an everyday car. So I wanted something just to put about in. So I bought this oval. So anyway, I, I, I put the 64 up for sale on the Samba to start off with. And I remember I, I asked 14 and a half grand for it at the time. And I think that was about 2005. And I had no bites off it. I thought, well, I'm just being cheeky with the price. I thought, well, ask, you know, you never know. And someone might come along and offer me, you know, something close to it. But uh, there was no takers at that price. And in the end, I sold it. I think it was eight and a half grand, I think it was. Which, thinking back now, was crazy price to be on, way too cheap. But that's all I could get for it. So and you, uh, some guy, go on. So you finish the cow looker and it's done. It's the Urcos. It's a classic cow looker. You've got way more time and money than you're asking. And you just let it go for yeah. 14 and a half grand because you're going to build this 56. No, I let it go for eight and a half grand. Oh, eight and a half thousand? Yikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, stupid. I let it go for that brand of money and it went to some guy in Manchester. And um, I kind of regretted selling it 
as soon as the car was trailered out of my kind of driveway, uh, I, I, I thought about it. I thought, what the hell have I just done, you know? But it was gone and that was it. And by that time, I got into bikes as well motorbikes so those were kind of like giving me the kind of joy that i wanted kind of thing that i was looking for so i had bikes and then the oval was on the road by then and i was just you know i was quite happy with just having one car and I had a couple of bikes and stuff like that so that was it as far as the 64 was concerned i never kind of thought anything more about it and i used to kind of see it now and then online on various sites and it changed hands again. This guy in Manchester sold it to someone else and the new owner got hold of, contacted me to ask me more information about it and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I got to know him a little bit and then I found out then that he crashed the car into someone mm. or someone someone pulled out in front of him or something and he, and he T-boned this Nissan Micra. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of it and thinking, oh God, that's another one of my cars that I built that was, that was finished, you know? And I thought, oh, that's, that's the end of that. It got repaired by Steve at 101 Restaurant who's a good friend of mine and uh, he did he did a nice job repairing it to be fair it was you know it looked good after he'd done it uh, but it was an insurance job to be fair and then it got changed hands loads of times it, it, loads of different owners but for some reason I managed to keep track of where it went around the country you know and every time I'd see it something had changed on it whether it be wheels or interior or something like this. And in about, I think it was 2013, I was, I think it was December, I think. And I saw some pictures of my old car again. And it was in a show in, I think it was Belgium somewhere, Spa show or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just packed up with a picture of my car, or my old car, I should say. And, uh, it had different wheels on it again, and, and the interior had changed. And I thought, hey, it actually kind of suited the wheels that it was on at the time. It was sat in a, a set of Remotex, Porsche, Porsche pattern Remotex, which is a really rare wheel. And um, I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if the owner, you know, would be interested in selling it back to me, you know. I just uh, for some reason, I thought about it, you know, it'd be nice to get it back, you know. I contacted the owner through, I think it was the Samba, this guy Mark, who owned it with his brother back then. He, he replied to me instantly. He said, oh, hi, Lyndon, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of knew me from the previous, you know. And he said, oh, um, funny you should say that, you know, um, you're talking about wanting it back is, you know, it's possible that we could sell it. And it was like back then, it was like, right, <laughs> it was a sign. I thought, right, I have to do it. So he said, you're free, to, you're free to come and have a look at the car and you want. And it was halfway across the country up north in a place called Clitheroe. I said, okay then, right. So I jumped on my motorbike the next weekend, rode up to Clitheroe. To be honest, when I first saw it, they knew, they had me by the bollocks, to be honest. It was uh, it was one of them, because they must have seen my face when I saw the car. I was just kind of uh, lit up with it, and I thought, I, I have to have this thing back. Now, this is the third owner since you've gotten rid of it. The one guy crashed it, then well, it got it put was, back it together. Was probably the, it was probably the fourth or fifth owner. It changed hands so many times. It really had it. It had gone everywhere around the game. It had been down to Kent. It had been somewhere else as well. And, uh, yeah, it had been everywhere. Like I said, and every every owner had changed it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was still the same colour, and it was still a can looker. It still had the same engine in it. Still the same gearbox. And, but, it, you know, just other things that had changed about it. Right. Um, so... Uh, like I said, so I, I said, you know, how much do you want for it? And I remember him saying that, 12 and a half grand. And I said, I only sold it for eight and a half. <laughs> so it was the case. So I said, is that, you know, is that the best thing? They knew that I wanted it. So it was like a case of I had to pay 12 and a half grand for this thing. 
or that was it. So back to the bank manager, <laughs> take another <laughs> loan out. <laughs> and I bought the car and that was it. And uh, it was a weird thing. Uh, I don't know why, but I just had to have the car. And as soon as I got the car, I trailered it back from Clitheroe. And as soon as I had it, I thought to myself, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? Because I've been out the scene by then for a good five, six, seven years, wherever it, how long it was, and I hadn't been to any shows and kept up with track of any kind of show cars or anything like that. Um, I'd just been kind of happily driving my oval about and not doing any shows in it or anything like that and just enjoying the car and stuff like that. So when I had this 64 back, it was like, right, what am I going to do with this? It was, uh, you know, I, and back then I always in the back of my mind, wanted to build the kind of proper full-on show car. Um, because when I was showing the 64 to start off with, back in the early 2000s, uh, some, you know, you'd be up against like pro-built kind of show cars and stuff like that that you see in Volksworld right. um, and things like that. So, and I always kind of aspired and wanted to, and every time I'd look at a proper show car, I'd always look at them and go, you know, and I used to think to myself, I think, well, wonder if I could do that, you know, and give it a go kind of thing, you know, and really push the boat out because back, you know, the second time around, I was kind of a better, better financial situation and stuff like that. And even though I had to buy, you know, get a loan out to buy the car, I thought, well, you know, I can, I can perhaps do this better second time around than the first time. So, um, and now Pop, I drove it literally Pop, about, well, hold well, on for one second. So the first time when you finished it with Urco's, all that stuff, you, it actually was yeah. featured in Vol, in VW Trends, and this is 2000, 2003, right? 2003. Volkswagen, Volkswagen, it was featured. So I got, so Trends. this is prior to you selling it for eight and a half thousand bucks. Yeah. It's featured in Volkswagen. Yeah. So somebody gets yeah. to buy for, a show car yeah. for eight and a half yeah. thousand bucks, which is. Pretty, yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so just yeah. so we're keeping track. So 2003, it's featured in, in Volksworld magazine. You get all kinds of accolades. Yeah. You sell it. And now you're, you've mm -hmm. moved on to the scene. You stumble across car. Yeah. What you, what year is this that you get the car again? 2013, I think it was when I uh, bought the car back. So you're got, you're, you don't have the car for about 10 years and then you end up buying it back. I didn't sell it till about 2005, so uh, it was a good, you know, it was about seven, eight years okay. uh, that I hadn't seen it, you know, properly. So um, in those seven, eight years, like I said, it had done loads of miles. It had been crashed and rebuilt and stuff like that. So it was, in my eyes, it was still my old car, but it was quite a bit different. So that's just after the, the pictures that were sent to me after it had been front-ended into a Micra. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it got rebuilt after that. Um, so yeah, like I said, when, it, when I got it back, it was a case of right. Um, I'm either just going to kind of tart this thing up, or I'm going to go full on and start from scratch, which is what I ended up doing. Um, and I went into it with the mindset of uh, I've got to make it the best I can. Uh, and, and don't cut any corners and I've got to undo basically all the work that I did the first time round in terms of like panel you know replacements and stuff like that uh, I've got to undo all that which as you probably know trying to rebuild a rebuilt car is never a good thing because you know like I said uh, 
I used panels before, which weren't the best quality and all the rest of it. So if you want something that's, you know, right, the amount of work it takes to actually undo stuff and right. go back to basics, it, it was a massive undertaking. And I remember I took the body off the chassis and I remember looking at it thinking, oh, this is going to be quite quite a lot of work, this. But I was prepared for it uh, because I hadn't done any work in any cars for so long. I thought, right, well, I'm kind of fresh. The, the place that I had it in work, I had plenty of room, fortunately, which people underestimate how much room it takes to to build a car. Because as soon as you take a car apart, it, you've got to put you know wings over there, doors over there, and bonnet over there, and... Before you know it, you've, you've filled a huge space of parts, <laughs> and then you've got the shell, and then you've got the chassis, and it, you need a lot of room, you know, to work around this stuff. Sure. And it's, uh, it's people don't realise, and I, I, I you know, tip my hat to people who do stuff in single car garages still. Uh, I really do um, because it's it's not it's not it's not easy work, you know. Um, so I went into it, and the first thing I did, I remember, I grip blasted the, the shell completely down to bare, bare, bare steel uh, to see what I had left. And, uh, yeah, I remember looking at it thinking, oh, my God, this thing's just a patchwork quilt of horrendous panels and stuff like that, which, yeah, needed all undoing. Right. Um, but, but obviously, second time around, you've got the internet, you, you know, you've got the Samba, you got... Well, and that's, a, like and that, that's yeah. a question I have for you, right? Now this is your second time around building the car. The level of car building at this point has changed quite dramatically. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I had to um, kind of go back and try and find old magazines. For, well, I say old magazines, but previous show winners and see what kind of links they went to um, to get where I wanted to be. And it was like, oh. You know, so there were some really nice cars done and all the rest of it, and you realise that everything has to be painted and polished and nice and flat and, and no ripples anywhere, and you know, underneath we're talking about. And it, it, I thought, well, okay, if I want to do that, I have to do this and stuff like that. So, um, so when you're it going, was a full, yeah, when you're going back to build this, you're build, you're going back with a vengeance. Like I'm going back in the scene. And I'm, yeah. I'm coming in strong. Yeah. I'm looking to take everybody's head off when I build this car. Yeah. Like now, uh, it's like it's like the, the old girl needs to needs to be vindicated, yeah. right? That was the the message with the '64. Yeah, this was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I, I'm gonna try and show people what I can do. Yeah, well, I did go into that with that kind of mindset. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, yeah, the more I kind of the, the, the more I went into it, the, the worse I got. I, you know, I started off, I ended up actually redoing some of the stuff that I'd started off with, you know, uh, making better. So towards the end of the build, I was grabbing parts off the shelf that I'd prepared two or three years previously. And I looked at them and I thought, that, that's not good enough. You know, I, I can't put it on the car like this. So I'd end up having rebuilding, rebuilt parts that I'd done previously uh, and making it better. Because by you know the standard that I was trying to achieve, I was getting work. You know, I was, I was pouring more work onto myself the further into the project that I was going. Yeah. Um, so everything that I bolted to the car towards the end, in my mind, had to be perfect. And when I say perfect, you know, every casting mark removed and everything smoothed, everything kind of indexed and everything perfect. You know what I mean? Every bit of 
you know, shiny stuff that went on it had to be right. And um, I'm kind of glad that I kept that mindset. I mean, there is, don't get me wrong, there is stuff on it now which I would probably change and redo. But <laughs> uh, towards the end, it was getting to a point where I, I have to finish this thing because I was in so, you know, financially it was it wasn't getting out of control but it was um time-wise i'd set a date to debut the thing in volksworld in 2018 and it was getting right up to the wire and um some you know i had to finish it but fortunately it was i got there in the end in my mind and when i actually um put the cover over it about two days before i took it to volksworld in my mind it was finished and I didn't need to add or take anything off it or anything like that. And I was really happy with what I'd done. But leading up to it, there was sometimes it was just, you know, it blew my head, to be honest. It was so frustrating sometimes when things weren't going right. And, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was a real, it got really stressful at some points of it. But I managed to, you know, you kind of push through because you're into it so far. Yeah, um, it, I mean, I, it, it's definitely a car that's built to the point where it's kind of like, where do you stop? You know, where, where do you stop yeah. with trying to go over the top? And then with now the internet world emerging, right? And you've got... You, you got yeah. you, you got Buddy Hale down in Phoenix. You got Bob. You got Bob oh, Cook yeah. on Bob yeah. Cook on the East Coast. You got Lanny Hussey yeah. in Canada. You've got all. You got <laughs> you got Spike over there in the UK with you. You got all these guys that are. <laughs> well, this is it. Everybody's just going. Well, you got everyone. Yeah, I mean, this is it. Everyone's building really good stuff, and it's like Christ. You know, you, you're trying to you're trying to go against these people, and it's like wow. You know, you think uh, that's what made me so nervous because I'd be asking around on the internet, is any anyone who's building what who's going to be turning up in 2018? I was really nervous about who was going to turn up with what, and I'd seen snippets of some cars of the builds and stuff like that, and I think shit, you know, what am I going to, you know, what how's my car going to, you know, compare against that and stuff like that? And it was, um, yeah, it was it was nerve wracking. Um, yeah, it was really, it was good. Don't get me wrong, it was. Uh, I was kind of excited about it. I mean, because part, um, part of it's yeah. pretty motivating. I mean, and, and and I mean that's that's a tall order to say. Here I am, some bloke over here in North Wales in a little garage, <laughs> and I'm get, and I'm going to try to compete. I've set a benchmark to compete with like the best in the business, which is, I mean, that's a pretty big steak yeah. to eat, you know. So, well, I, I, you know, what? I always thought in the past, you, you used to turn up to like, um, like Volkswagen and Ravia, and it, it normally every year, well, I say normally, it happened a lot where it would be pro builders winning best of show, and it always used to get to me that a little bit because you used to think, well, money talks and money talks. You know, I never used to take it away because at the end of the day, the pro builders had done the work and it was fantastic, some of it, you know, it really was. But it always used to, Grind in. I used to think, oh, bloody, how can the the everyman kind of, you know, go up against that, you know? But then when I look back now, I think, well, uh, anyone can do what I've done. To be honest, anyone can. It's just having the mindset, really, of being able to stick to it. Well, and stick to your plan. And that's the thing, right? It, it's it's mindset. It's patience. You know, yeah. like you've got to have. Yeah. I we discussed this before the podcast. I have zero point zero patience. Like I want. <laughs> I, I'm using it before I've torn the package open. You understand? Like I'm trying to, I'm all about the experience and that experience is driving by a plate glass window, looking at myself going down the road thinking there I am looking cool. Right. I mean, now I might run out of gas a block ahead, but listen, mission accomplished. And so, yeah. 
Um, I, I, I have nothing but respect for guys like you that just can commit so much time to seeing a project. I just just think, what, you know, what else would I be doing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, you're in North Wales. True. The other other thing, do you know what the other thing is as well? I actually put off having kids before I finished the car. Yeah. And that's true. That was calculated. I thought to myself, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to have time. I am not going to have time to have uh, a child while I'm building this car because it was taking up so many hours of my time after work, weekends, holidays, all that sort of stuff. And I thought, I've got no time for anything else. And at the time I was, me, me and my lady were all kind of, you know, she was wanting to have kids and all the rest of it. And uh, we've gone through this phase of our lives where we're thinking, because I'm getting on a bit now and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to have kids. I'm going to have to do it. It's now or never kind of thing, you know, but I've got this car to finish. And I've been so selfish, yeah, really selfish. But I'd started this thing and I was going to finish it. And, and that was it. It was just, I had to finish this car. And as soon as I finished that car, I ended up bang having twins. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you got served proper for that, right? You got it, you got it yeah, back in spades. <laughs> that was it. It was one of them. It was, uh, I knew straight away as soon as I finished the car, I thought, right, I can get on with the rest of my life now. And, and I, it's weird. And I got it out of my system. And, and, uh, and now yeah, when you're really so, happy about it, so you get FUBAR done, you put the cover over it. What's the experience like? Yeah. Cause you know, besides the fact you're in North Wales where there's not a huge VW scene, so you don't got a big community guys you're hanging out with. So it's like you get one yeah. shot to go to Volksworld and like debut this car yeah. and hopefully you're a contender. Yeah. And what's it like when yeah. you debut at Volksworld? Well, I don't know why it was, uh, the best feeling ever. I remember um, I'd, I'd contacted Paul Knight beforehand and I said, look, I, I want to bring this car down. Um, and he goes, oh, cool, you know, send me some pictures. And I said that. So I said to him, I said, I'll send you one picture and that's all I'm sending you. I said, but I want it on, you know, the, back then they used to have revolving plinths. Yeah. And I said, I, want, I was being really cocky and being really cheeky. And I, <laughs> I said, look, I want the car, I want the car on a plinth. I want it revolving. So that was the, the best spot to have the car and I thought right I'm just uh, unless it's going on a plinth I thought to myself I'm not taking it and I was being that cheeky with him I thought do you know what I'm, I've, I've sunk four years into this of blood sweat and tears I thought it's now or never you know yeah and I remember I sent Paul a picture and it was just a detailed picture I think of the floor pan or something I can't remember which bit of the floor pan and uh, it was probably the rear shock tower or something like that and uh he got back to me and said, you know, and realize how much of a risk I'm taking if I let you put this on a plinth just by having one picture of this thing. And I said, well, trust me. I said, I'm sure it'd be okay. So uh, anyway, um, he said, yeah, great. Bring it down and all the rest of it. And I remember we wheeled, I wheeled the car in and we wheeled it in, got out on the plinth. And I remember from then on, it was just like the best reaction ever. It was just fantastic. And I remember just, it was just, the justification of it, you know, it just, it, the last four years came to that point and it was just, yeah, it was best weekend ever, you know, it was fantastic. And uh, the, the general, the, how it went down in public and all the rest of it was really cool. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget it, to be honest, it was a great weekend and to come away with the best of show was just like the, and now, the cherry on the cake, you know. So obviously you're, you're the guy, like you're, what's your day job? What do you do for work? Because you, you're not in the automotive industry for business. No, no, just uh, run the, the family business, really. Yeah. Um, tool Eye, which is where I'm, in, I'm sat in now, you know. This is the Tool Eye shop. So 
Um, I've been here, it's the only job I've ever had. Um, and now it's just kind of evolved because it was my dad's business and I've kind of took over and he's kind of retired and uh, I'm now the managing director. So, yeah. So, so um, let me ask this question. So you're standing there looking at the, the spoils of your hard work and I'm absolutely certain people had to go look at that car and go, well, yeah, anybody can build something this nice if, you've, if you're rich <laughs> and you've just got hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars of sitting around, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of the mentality, but the, the reality is... What, possibly, you, yeah, there's, possibly. There's a cost to build a car like this, but it, when you're doing all the yeah. labor, you can't even calculate yeah. your hours. But what's the impression you get when you hear people that don't know you that might say something like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you can anybody can build a car like this if you have money because you're the exact opposite of that. I mean, you, you didn't build it. I don't it. know. I, do not, I never, I never, I never had, I never got that off anyone, to be honest. Uh, no, no one's ever kind of said anything like that to me. You know, people have asked me how much did it cost to build and that sort of thing. But no one's ever, I mean, don't get me wrong, I did have to farm out some of the work. Um, I didn't do, you know, all of it. I mean, I did, I would say 90, 90% of it or a bit more maybe. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, I know I had to pay for some of it. But um, yeah, I don't know what, do you know, I don't care what people think to be honest because I built the car for me. Right. And I, I, I proved a point to myself that I could do it. And um, yeah, it, it's one of them. And now, to be honest, the car is just sat in my garage. I've, it's not turned a wheel. I had it photographed. And it's been sat there for the last four years now, four and a bit years, just doing nothing. And I've got no interest in showing it again or anything like that. Um, it's just one of those things. It's kind of weird. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'll probably just pass it on to my kids. So so the boys, the boys when they get older, they're taking that, they're driving that thing to high school is what you're telling me. Like, <laughs> I've never, well, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what? I've never even started it. I've never started it. Because as soon as you, in my eyes, if you, if you start it, it kind of ruins it. Really? Because I spent, yeah, I, I spent so long on that engine and, and hand polishing that exhaust system and all the rest of it. You know as well as I do, as soon as you start oh, it, yeah. it changes color and all things. Yeah. And it just wouldn't be the same. So it's exactly as it is in when it last won or whatever, you know, it's just sat there on axle stands with the wheels in bags and that's it. It's just well, it's doing so, nothing. So that brings me to my next question, right? With you, with you being... Um, with with you being a car guy, you know, how do you feel about like having a car? Do you look at this car as more of like a piece of art than a car? Like for you, it was more a mission to build it and prove a point. It was less about like realizing a dream and driving this car down the motorway. Yeah, yeah. I was. I never. I never really. I. I always knew that I wouldn't drive it afterwards. Even at the start of it, I knew that uh, as soon as I go down this road, I know how I am myself that I wouldn't drive it afterwards, which seems crazy. I've had I've had more flack about that since building it than anything else about how do you not drive it and all the rest of it. And I just think to myself, well, they haven't got a clue because they didn't put four years hard work into it and they don't know what it's like to build, you know, a car like that. So it's kind of I don't I don't care, yeah. you know, if I've just parked it in my garage and just don't want to use it or whatever. It, and now and then I take the cover off and have a look at it, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Put the cover back on and forget about it. It's just one of them. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I, I, don't, I can't explain what I'm like in that situation. To be honest, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's why when I've I've just built this, I've just finished off this oval, and I've built it to drive it. You know, I've undersealed the underneath of it and things like that. So I'm staying with the mindset of actually driving this one now. So. 
And I mean, Hopefully. and as a car guy, I mean, I think this is kind of a, you know, maybe this was a, you built this car because as a car guy, you, you know, we all want to be, we, we want to be seen in these cars. You know, that's kind of the reason we build them. But, uh, you know, yeah. I'm thinking maybe when well, you, you're, you're, you're in a completely different world to me where you've got, I'm not being funny, but you've probably got car shows that you can go to sure all the time, I suppose. And you've got the weather and stuff like that. Like I said, out here, I'm out in the middle of bloody nowhere. And there's no scene. There's nothing like that. Don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful place to live, and I love living around here. Um, but there's there's just no cars show scene. There's nothing here. So, you know, maybe if there was, I would take it out and display it a bit more or whatever. But I've got no inclination of doing it because it's just it's it's so hard work. As as you may know, actually showing a car to get it to the show because I'd have to trailer it. No, uh, and all that kind of business. So, listen, I, I I'm the worst man. Well, I I had my get. You and I are in the same car club, right? And the car club DVK is kind of like the standard of the car that's built, right? And my Type 34 Gia, once it was finished, I drove it. I hated cleaning it. I yeah. hated wiping it. My attitude was kind of yeah. like, I just want to drive it. That's it. I just want to drive it, <laughs> get it on the road. And, uh, you know, do, yeah. do things that made people stomach turn, like do nasty burnouts in it yeah. and stuff like that. And, uh, well, you got the same, you got the same mindset as Spike because, uh, or Adam Finch, as I like to call him, he, he's, he drives all these cars and stuff like that. And I, and I see, I see videos of him and stuff going down motorways and stuff like that in the rain. And I think, God, I couldn't be bothered cleaning that thing after getting that home. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and, you know what I mean? It's just, a hundred percent. But I he think just, he, and he, and yeah. it's a totally different mindset to me. And it's just, uh, I, I don't know. It's like that, that Carmen gear that he's got. Um, and oh, he, yeah. It's just like, driving the hell out of it. And it's like, how can you drive that on the road like that? And, so, and, he, and he says to me, he says, I, I don't care. That's what I built it for. And it's like, well, oh, fair enough. It's definitely one of those, uh, one of those circumstances where, you know, you're building it to enjoy it, which brings us to yeah. our next, your, your next project that you're working on building, yeah. right? Your, your next project yeah. is your, what, what year's the car? It's a 50, you said it's a 56. That's a 56. Uh, I've owned that since 2004, I think it is something like that. So I actually had that when I, I last, you know, when I first had my, my 64. So I had two cars at once, but that thing, uh, it's a Swedish car. Uh, I'm the first registered keeper in this country of that, of that thing. So it was brought into the country by someone who used to go out and kind of search for him, Owen Warlow. Mm-hmm. And I bought it off him for two, two and a half grand back then, which is, you know, looking back now, it's an absolute bargain. Um, and it's been, it's realized it's been a fantastic car, really. Uh, I've just driven about in it all these years. And up till recently, I've, because I've got the kids and all the rest of it, I wanted to just to upgrade the brakes a little bit. So a year and three quarters ago, a year and a half ago, I, I kind of brought it into work and I put it up on the mezzanine floor, just do a bit of work in it. And that's escalated into a full rebuild, really. It's not a show car. It's nowhere near a show car, but I've, I've ended up giving it a full re- rebuild, you know, full body paint. I've done it myself and uh, new engine. And uh, it's quite nice to actually... Um, do a bit more on it because I've actually built the engine on this one this time. Uh, I've never really done that properly, you know. And um, what's what's the engine spec on this car? Because this car is slated uh, to be. So, no one's seen this car yeah. yet, obviously, because primarily you're in North Wales. That's in, <laughs> in North Wales, yeah, yeah. 
Well, the engines, uh, I, I had to, well, the engine that was in it was an original 30 horse. It wasn't original to the car, but it was an original 30 horse. And it had, I've had a supercharger, the Judson supercharger bolted to it for since 2005, I think it is. So mm-hmm. um, I've kept the Judson supercharger on it, but I've had to rebuild the engine completely. Um, I started with a new all-stock case. Um, it's got a set of genuine Acrosser heads on it. Uh, it's got a genuine Acrosser 69mm crank. Um, it's got a WW cam. It's got a set of AA two-piece lifters. Um, I've adapted uh, a set of late model uh, bug manifolds to fit onto the uh, Acrosser heads so that I can still run the Judson supercharger rather than having uh, twin carbs. So I've done quite a lot of work on this engine, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it kind of, it's kind of really cool. I really like the look of it, you know? Yeah, um, so so it's supercharged with dual port Okrasa yeah. heads on it, which yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, which is a little bit different. I don't think anybody's done that before. Have you seen it done before? Well, well, I've, I've not seen anyone do it uh, at the time when I first started it. But since doing it, there's some other guy, maybe Brazil way or something, I don't know. When I, when I looked at it, she put up a video and it looks not the same setup as mine because the manifold looked completely different, but someone else has done something similar. Um, but I, like I said, I've used late model aluminium um, manifold ends because they they flow nice. Right, the so, end um, castings. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so um, yeah, and getting them to work and to fit has been a bit of a monster job to get all the tinware to clear afterwards and all the rest of it. But it, yeah, it's worked out in the end. And uh, I'm just about to take the car down from the mezzanine floor in the next. Uh, I think tomorrow night. I think it's the. And get up the forklift and bring it down and go for a little test drive. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. And this car is it, this car is really the car that you know you're the boys are allowed to ride in this car. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're, as long as they don't bring sweets and ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm going to put them in a couple of bin bags and tie the, the cord around the uh, around the around the shoulders so that they, they can't get their arms out. So they just sit in the back. And they're fully protected. <laughs> yeah, and and so so, uh, so when you're building when you're building this car now, how are you able to rein in your passion from getting completely uh, out of the because, control? Because again, the the minds the mindset's different. I'm not building a show car. Uh, I've got into it knowing that I just want to build a nice driver, and uh, I've got to do this. You know, and I've I've not cut corners with it. Don't get me wrong. It's it, you know I, I really like the car. I like the look of it and stuff like that. And uh, I just wanted it mechanically nice and door gaps nice and just, you know, shiny and all the rest of it and looking kind of cool, you know. So a nice, cool daily driver. Well, not a daily driver, but a nice Sunday driver, I should say. Yeah, it's, but, so, you're, uh, but yeah. Your, your plan is you'll you'll be like Spike. I mean, maybe we should make some shirts that say be like Spike, right? And and and, and, and drive drive your car. So you'll drive this car. Will you drive this car to one of the shows? Yeah, yeah, I've got ideas to drive it to a show. There's a, there's a show that I'm going to take it to. Um, I won't say locally, but it's about an hour away from me coming up uh, in July. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be its kind of first show. But it's more of that. I'm not... I'm not going to enter it into anything. I just I take it for display and people want to look at it. Great. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I don't want to enter it into any shows for any show because it's not that kind of car in my eyes. So, you know, it's one of them. 
No. I'll, I'll, hopefully, I'll I'll take it down to Vaults Road next year, maybe, and we'll take it from there and yeah, just display it, you know. So yeah. yeah. Are any plans? Any pl- so for you to go to London is quite a haul. I mean, it's five six hour drive, or yeah. what is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's about a five six hour drive. Whether I drive it because Vaults Road's in March April, so I probably won't drive it then. I, I won't drive it in winter. There's no way because the British British winter is terrible. You know, with road salt and stuff like that. So there's there's no way that I drive it in winter anyway. Now the so, big, uh, the, the big it, question is, wh- are, what's the first show you're going to debut this car at? Uh, it's a show, um, unit, it's called Unit 13 show in Anglesey. I'm going to take it there. Just, and like I said, it's only because it's kind of fairly local. It's about an hour away. Right. So, uh, but it's, it's a mix. It's not just a V-dub show. It's a mix of everything. So it's all, you know, modern stuff, classics, hot rods, that sort of stuff. So, you know, well, I'll take it there and uh, just display it there for a, for a day. So that's kind of cool, you know. But I want to drive it first and... As, as you know, run, get the bugs out of it and make sure it drives properly and do the tracking and stuff like that. And, yeah, I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm really interested you, to see how that supercharger with the dual port setup runs, if you can get... Well, yeah, it, it sounds nice. I mean, it runs. It sounds really good, so I'm hoping it have a bit of pep to it. But we'll and see. the exhaust yeah. you have on it is what exhaust? Uh, it's a Sebring replica that a guy called Turbo Thomas originally built for a a Porsche 912 or a 356, uh, which I bought, and then I've kind of chopped it up and adapted it to to suit a bug. So, so yeah, it was a- it's, it's only kind of 50%, you know, Sebring, and the rest of it I've chopped up and, and made, I've made bigger ball heater boxes for it and stuff like that, so it's quite a bit different to how it was, to be honest. So this this is a custom modified exhaust that you built for this. No, yeah, no. yeah, completely. Yeah, it's there's not much left of what I initially bought. So you're not showing uh, up at this, Volks World and somebody else got this exhaust on their car. <laughs> uh, not that I know of. No, no, <laughs> no one's no one's gonna put that kind of time <laughs> no. and energy into into doing this <laughs> no. exhaust like you would. <laughs> no, no, I think so. No, no. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And you running yeah. a, a? I like to do. I like to do. I like to do one-off stuff. If you know what I mean. So, yeah. So. Well, I mean that's that's yeah. part of the that's part of the car guy thing, right? Is to do your. Yeah. Well, your, you're putting your you're putting your own stamp on it, aren't you? You kind of. You know, yeah. So I think. It's like, uh, it's like, yeah. I, and the trans in it is it still a split case transaxle? Uh, I've had the, I've had the original trans rebuilt. Peter Cogbox has done that for me, so that that was really nice. To be honest, it came back all uh, nice vapor blasted and all the rest of it. So yeah, that looks really cool. Um, I painted up the the axle tubes and painted them up and it's got a set of real woods all round on it. So it's got a nice set of discs on it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of just be a nice driver. I'm, I'm hoping anyway, no, you know, it, proof is in the pudding. I mean, it's one of them until I actually get out in it and it might be a bag of bloody spanners to drive it. I don't know yet. It should be okay. Though. Well, I, I, I'm excited. Hopefully you see it one day. I'm going to be back in England for, uh, the show in September, the Air Mighty show. I'm coming up there and I'm driving. Oh yeah, okay, I'm, cool. I'm riding with uh, Spike and those guys to that show in Holland. So any chance you're oh, bringing? Oh yeah, you're going in. You're going in. You're going in convoy. That's it. That's it. Are you gonna are you gonna bring this? Uh, you gonna bring the oval out or what? Well, I need to have a word with Adam about that, don't I? <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. Yeah, <laughs> our boy Adam. Yeah, I like it. So. <laughs> But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I I think it's definitely. Um, I'd love to see the car. I think it's. Uh, I just like. I I like w- what I like. I like the fact that 
you do stuff different. You try to be, you know, especially in today's world, right? There's so many people that kind of, you know, everybody starts to go down this road and then we start with everybody's starting to race drill things. And then you see everything's drilled to death and then, you know, dimple dies and then this thing and then that thing. So I've done a bit of that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, I like the way that you really stay unique because in this world of Volkswagens that all are really, really similar, it takes a lot. Yeah, it's hard to be different. It is. It's hard to be different. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. But but it, to be honest, it, it's a lot of it the same because it looks good. You know, you, you can't go wrong with a a nice cal looker or a resto cal or whatever. You know, and that that ingredients that formula kind of works, doesn't it? You know, at the end of the day, it does. It's it's so, a sharp you know, look. You can be a, you can be outlandish and all the rest of it, and have gold wing doors and all the rest of it. But it's one of them, if it stock bodies on it, you know, kind of nice good chrome and all the rest of it it just looks nice so you can't blame people for going down that road yeah it's just if it you know that's my idea anyway so no it's a yeah it's a good look and and i've often wrestled with the fact like why can't i have one really nice car and just enjoy it because unfortunately i'm I'm much like our pal adam and i've got a fleet of cars and it keeps getting bigger and i keep thinking like i gotta i just gotta file (laughs) it down to one or two cars to where i just have have one or two and enjoy it but i think the you know, for me, it's the variety. You know, I love to be able to hop yeah. in, hop into Future Shock and drive the notch back, or go in, get, get <laughs> the chop top, or drive my bus, or I don't know. I, I've, I've got, yeah. I've got a problem. You're mixing all the styles. Oh, you're mixing all the styles. You are. It's terrible. You know what it's like. It, perhaps, keep, you should, perhaps you should go. Why don't you go stock for a change? <laughs> yeah, I listen. I've got to get. I've got to get different pair of shoes for every car. You know, one that matches each style. So. I, <laughs> I got my I got my Terminator shades for when I drive Future Shock, and I got a mullet wig that I wear. I mean, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so, but it's a good look. Yeah, yeah. But listen, man, m- much respect to the work that you do. I mean, you know, you thank you. To Thanks me, very much, mate. You're a testament of of a guy that with enough determination and patience, you can build what you want. Cause I, you know, I got that a lot with the Gia. People would say like, Oh, yeah. it must be nice to write a check for the car. I said, well, I didn't write a check. I had to work for all the money that paid for that car. I said, yeah. but the, the difference, yeah. the yeah. difference was I'm not that guy. I, I had a vision of what I wanted built and, yeah. and it was ultimately my design, my ideas, Buddy would throw in some suggestions and I'd say, yeah, you can do that on your car, Buddy, but we're going to do this because Buddy kind of has his style, right? And overall, you know, without the, I always tell people, well, you don't need money. You just need time and patience and you can do it all on your own. I mean, I I watched a guy, back when I delivered pizzas, I was about (laughs) 17 years old. I literally watched a guy spray can a car in the parking lot with with rattle cans, and I kid you not, it came out and it looked like a sem, almost decent paint job. And so it's proof that with enough patience and, and enough time, I mean, you can really put it together. So I mean, just, everyone wants everyone wants an easy way, or they want an excuse as to why they can't build something. And your car is proof that with enough. Uh, you know, medication for mental problems, and if you're yeah. running low on that, well, you, only, if you, 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 just, you only get out what you put in, don't you? That's it, and you just you can direct that energy yeah. and time, and and the, I mean, it. it was to the point where you even looked at life plans and said, "I'm in the middle of this. I'm not, and, and yeah. because this wants all my that's attention." How, that's how selfish. 
that's how selfish you have to be sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's a new level, I know, but you know. it's it's a time money sacrifice. You know, it's either time yeah. or money yeah. or both. You know, yeah. and so yeah. Uh, oh, if, you, if you're going to build a car, you've got to understand that, it's like you just said, there is a time and money sacrifice. It is you know, both accounts, to be honest. It's um, you, you can't have one without the other. It's crazy uh, how much time you want to put in, or you have to put in to get something nice. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's every night in my book, to be honest. Every night after work, a couple of hours, whether it be you know, yeah, just two or three hours a night, and you, you get it done if, if you do that kind of work. But if you leave, go leaving it and just do perhaps one weekend here or one weekend there, it'll never get done, to be honest. No, it yeah, will never. It will never get done. That's for yeah. sure. I've got a, I've got yeah. a few stalled yeah. projects of my own because I I have in my head I've got a bigger calendar than I have in reality, and I think ah one of these yeah. days. And what I do, like the cat lady, I keep bringing parts home until there's no work. There's no work room in the garage. And so, you know, here I am looking at a pile of parts and thinking, okay, maybe I just need to call the troops over and we're going to knock it out in a weekend. And then that weekend never comes because between birthdays and holidays and all the stuff going on, you know, it, it, the time doesn't That's exist. It. So, yeah, yeah, some, yeah sometimes yeah, you got to yeah. weigh that out in life and say, do I have the yeah, time to true, do it? True. Or do I do? Is, am I better spending the money? And the older I get, and it's better if, if you if you know that at the start, that's better. That's that's a much better way of thinking about doing it because if you realize halfway through, I haven't got the time for this, and it's kind of wasted. No, because and, you know it can just projects fall like that, and they just it's one of them, isn't it? And I know a guy if you who know at the stars. Yeah. yeah, I know a guy who bought a cover car for eight and a half grand. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, and really, yeah. sometimes sometimes if you're a guy getting into the scene and you don't have the skill set to build it and you're kind of on a budget, I think if you're patient and you know what yeah. you want and you're okay with driving, hey, you're driving Lyndon's old car. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it, 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 if yeah. you're okay with yeah. that. Then yeah. The, yeah, yeah. listen, that's the best yeah. money spent because you're buying it for fifty yeah, cents on the dollar. Yeah, you're getting it super cheap, and yeah. you get to drive exactly. it right yeah. now. So uh, yeah, yeah, and you, had, you haven't had the pain of building the bloody thing in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's a little it's a little <laughs> different when you hear a rock chip or a, a cement truck gets in front of you on the on the highway. So. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. God forbid. Well, brother, it's been great. listen. It's been great chatting with you, and hopefully, uh, we'll get to connect next time I'm up in the UK. Hopefully, I'll see you. And uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, that would be really cool if we could meet up somehow. Yeah, yeah. that'd be really cool, mate. And, so, and yeah. hey, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time. Thank, thanks for listening to me because uh, it's uh, it's really cool that you actually wanted to talk to me. To be honest. No, listen. Anybody that puts that kind of that kind of time and energy into what you did with Food Bar, I mean, it's. And if you guys are listening to this, and you haven't seen this car. All you got to do is is type in Linden Creamer Fubar on the internet, and you're going to see a, <laughs> a, a a ton of pictures of this thing. And it is you'll look at it and you'll think, man, that's too nice to drive. And maybe maybe that's where we maybe that's where we end this right that's where we're at with it it's just too nice to drive and vengeance was vengeance was achieved with the with the, the finishing of food bar and now you've got your kids and you get to take a ride yeah. in the that is the new car well, have life a name is, life is sweet now i would tell you life is sweet yeah get the kids enjoying in the oval now it's gonna be great that's so it. Really looking forward to it. And is there does the does the oval have a name or it's just the fifty five? What do you what do you what do you call the oval? Uh, it's jungle green, so I was thinking of calling it jungle boogie. <laughs> jungle boogie. 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 <laughs> yeah, jungle boogie. Like, I like the song. Oh, jungle boogie. I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. for so, sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe that. Yeah, but like I say, it's not a show car. Remember, don't can't start calling it show car. It's not a show car. It's your it's it's your it's your version of a driver. I like it. Yeah. That's no. it. That's it. That's perfect, man. Well, <laughs> hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, again, man, thank you, mate. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. And if people want to get, are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, custom, custom creams. Custom creams. I dig it. I dig it, man. Well, custom creams. Yeah. Uh, well, Lennon, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks very much. If you like that podcast, make sure you share it with a friend. We appreciate it when you share the podcast. It helps us grow organically, and we're growing every month after month. So appreciate all you guys do out there. Thanks for supporting the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com. Click on the Merch tab. We do have two new shirt logos available, so feel free to check those out, pick up some shirts, and support your favorite podcast. Until next week, guys. Later. Probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. 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 Volkswagen.